Welcome to the Faith and Science Podcast. My name is Tyler Bublitz, and welcome back to the second Sunday of Easter for the week of April 19th, 2020, and I'm excited to have you here. I'm excited to dig in this week's podcast, and I'm excited that we are in this beautiful and wonderful time of Easter with going through the world events that we are, because I feel like as I've stated before, that there's a different type of realism that we're having this year with Easter that we haven't had in the past. And I think it's leading to really interesting dialogue that I'm getting back from people discussing the questions that we're having. I think it's also putting people in this unique mindset of resurrection people and reaching out and connecting with people in ways that we don't typically do. So for me, for instance, I have found that I am reaching out and connecting with friends and family a little bit more often than I would typically. And I think that's not necessarily a bad thing. And I think that's also kind of a point within the church body that I feel like with being a northern U.S. person, being a white Caucasian person, I think it's something that I struggle with more. Having spent time with like my fiance's family who's from the southwestern part of the U.S., and how there is a much different connection to family. And I think that's something that as we are working together within our own context, but with also within the context of the church, I feel like there is definitely a change that is happening outside the walls of the church at this point and understanding to such a real extent that church goes way beyond the building And what it is is the relationships between people and the opportunities that I've even had connecting with people from church and how much they want to share in that and how excited they are about the time what we will get when this is all over and we can come together again, how excited they are for that, the hope. And it leads beautifully into the Twitter question that we have for last week. The Twitter question was, where are you clinging on to hope today? And I got two really good responses this week that I really enjoyed. One was talking about clinging on to those relationships, clinging on to the hope of seeing people again, being able to do things and spending time with people together and what that will be like and how much that will be an exciting time. But the other answer that I got I really liked was looking at hope is us living out faith. To have hope in something, you have to have faith in something. There has to be an acknowledgement of something, either being the next day, the hope that we get the next day, the hope that the snow is going to melt and turn in the spring, even though that we know logically this is what's happening we still have to cling on to the hope. And the question that they brought back around to me looking at last week was the women at the tomb, was it hope or was it faith that brought them there? Was it the curiosity of everything that Jesus had said or the belief and understanding that this is what he said and it's going to happen? And so much that we don't know. But I think that all comes back to hope and faith. And I think it's a really great way of looking at this. And it leads really well into what we'll be talking about this week. Because this is the text that I feel we 
ponder and think about, I would argue at times too much on certain elements and way too little time on other parts of it because we want to put the human part into the text and maybe that's not what it's calling for us to do. And so let's just jump right into it. The gospel this week is out of John chapter 20 verses 19 through 31. This reading takes place directly after last week. So this is the women have found Jesus or in John's gospel, Peter, along with the women and one other disciple, go to the tomb in the morning, the disciples run away, and the women, Mary, finds Jesus. This is picking now up after that. This is the evening of the resurrection. The disciples are locked in a room. Jesus appears to them and says, peace be with you shows him the hands and his side. The disciples rejoice at seeing this. And Jesus then says again, peace be with you as the father has sent me, so I send you. And he then breathed on them, giving them the Holy Spirit. And so it's this weird holy moment with the disciples. But Thomas the twin was not there and has some questions. We'll put it that way. He wants to see the nails for himself and the holes and wants to put his own hand. And it's a week later. And I think that's something we overlook a lot. It's a week later. This isn't directly right after. Again, Jesus appears, says, peace be with you, kind of calls out Thomas, put your hand in my side, put him in the holes. And then there's the whole thing of blessed are those who have believed and have not seen me. And then John showing that this is the end of his book and referencing that there are more signs in other books, but this is supposed to be just his particular understanding of it. Really positive and powerful moment here, and there's a lot to dig into there. The first reading is out of Acts chapter 2, verse 14a and 22 through 32. So this is continuing where Peter is addressing the people of Judea and continuing talking about how this is how I know that this is the Messiah. This is who has been promised to the Israelites. I was with him. He stated all these things about his death. I was there. I saw his resurrection. This should be your sign, your evidence, knowing that this guy is who he said he was and that this is something worth pursuing and following. The psalm this week is Psalm 16, which is continuing this idea of when we acknowledge and understand what has been done for us through Christ, which is amazing when you think about that the psalm is written before this, but taking ourselves and realizing the blessings and stuff that God is willing to do for us. How there's a peace that comes with that, but how it continues to steer how we live our lives and continues to put us in positions where God wants us to be. And often where God wants us to be are positions that are going to end up being for his benefit And usually there is something out of it that will help us grow in our faith through that. The second reading is from 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 through 9. This is reflecting upon 
Christ's resurrection and that with this resurrection, what is that actually giving us? Giving us the hope, giving us the salvation, but the process of understanding and moving toward this idea of how are you a changed person because of what has been done for you through Jesus Christ? And understanding that that changes us, that transforms us, that morphs us into a new being. Before I jump into how I see these tying into faith and science, we have to do our shameless plug for Working Preacher. If you have not checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. Between their Sermon Braidways podcast, their commentaries, their discussions, it helps me, since I'm not an ordained minister, get guidance each and every week as I am trying to prepare this message for you from listening to Sermon Braidways podcast with four different seminary professors on the podcast to having commentaries written by different biblical scholars all over the world. If you haven't checked out Working Preacher, I'd highly recommend it. And sadly, this will be the last time that I am plugging God Friended Me. It was just announced this last week that God Friended Me was not renewed on CBS. And so tonight on the 19th, they are having a two-hour season finale or show finale. I really like that show and I'd argue it's one of the best things, if not the best thing on television right now, with having how God is working through all of this and working through life and continues to put us in positions to help other people and help each other on our walks of faith while still also being that element of people involving in our lives to help our faith along the same way. So if you haven't checked out God Friended Me, I would still highly recommend it. It's a great show and I've really enjoyed the two-year run that it's had. So props to you, CBS, to even giving that show a chance. How do we work with this text? Specifically the gospel, because really all the readings are turning us back to this this week. And I kept having a couple images come to my head, and it took me a long time to really figure out how is this relating back to this text and why am I thinking this way? When we consider the disciples here, not only is there the correlations that it's very similar to the world conditions in which we're in, but we know that we have disciples who are worried about being guilty by association. They're worried about being locked up themselves. They're concerned about that they've just watched their close friend, the person that they've been following, their teacher, for three plus years die in front of them. There's a lot of emotion, there's a lot of feeling, there's a lot of question. And so when someone appears in the room in this unique way, we'll put it, I would understand that they need to have this peace, this reassurance. And then when you still have one who isn't there saying, I have a hard time believing this. I have a hard time wrapping my head around this. And who said that he's the only one that honestly feels that way? The thing that's really interesting about this reading is if you try putting it into more of a scientific type of context, Jesus is in the middle of a transformation. Jesus is in the middle of a metamorphosis and showing up in the middle of this. 
we know what happens in other gospels with this of where this leads to the ascension of Christ. And yet we're getting these texts and we don't really have that many where he's just showing up and showing this process of him being there but not being there. The ability of Christ being able to appear places now compared to the physical being of Christ is suddenly seems to be a new ability of Jesus at this time. And that with defeating death, he suddenly has gotten this ability. We are seeing a new Jesus in the middle of a transformation, a metamorphosis that is changing things. If we put it ourselves into the disciples' shoes, how are they feeling about this? Are they ready for this change? Are they to the point where they can wrap their head around this change? Because traditionally people want change but struggle with change. And you're watching major change in front of your own eyes. I would assume this is hard to wrap their head around. But let's take a couple moments and contemplate another transformation that we're much more familiar with. And we don't wrestle with the same way. But when we actually break it down, it's very, very similar in my opinion. Today we're going to talk about caterpillars and butterflies. Caterpillar is this little creature that mostly munches on leaves for nutrition, very slow moving, typically on some type of plant is what we're accustomed to seeing. And butterflies being beautiful, gorgeous, and fly through this space of air and being able to travel thousands of miles on their wings. A total transformation. But there's a lot of things that we don't think about in that transformation that are actually pretty interesting and I think relate decently well to what we know Jesus went through. So when a caterpillar is going to become a butterfly, it goes into a chrysalis. A cocoon is more for moths. Chrysalis are more for caterpillars. And in that, It has a hormone called exosome that helps it essentially start to shed its skin, very similar to like a snake, and that's what's giving it the chrysalis, and then it will harden up. When that happens, the caterpillar releases capsis, which is an enzyme which destroys, dissolves all its organs and all its muscles. So what's left from what I'm understanding, and I'll attach the link down below, probably the the core brainstem and spinal cord and breathing tubes. So it still can breathe while in this, but what it has known as its body is literally dissolving away. In that then becomes imaginal discs which are in the body but are in a dormant state now are awoken and when this activates this is what builds out the butterfly part by part and what's amazing is it starts with 50 cells that are these imaginal discs and it becomes thousands of those cells 
in the wings of a butterfly. When the butterfly opens up and comes out of the chrysalis, there's always this moisture or liquid that's left behind, which is the waste product from this whole process and everything that it was still going through the caterpillar's body at that point, which I think is interesting because if you want to relate that to the text of how Jesus left the burial clothing, that I no longer need these, just like we're seeing this waste product from the caterpillar being left behind. But in this, which I think is even more amazing, is they have figured out that they're fairly confident that a butterfly can still remember things that happened to it as a caterpillar. And they've done this with tests of showing it different smells and teaching it to not like those smells. And then as a butterfly, again, it will avoid those smells. So there's some type of retaining this information. When we look at that for this text and how Jesus is appearing to them He's different, but yet still the same. There's uneasiness because the relationship, the presence of Christ has changed. There's an uneasiness we can get from the disciples in this, where even as they are rejoice when he is with them and shows that it's him, he still needs to say, peace be with you a second time. There's uneasiness in this transformation, in this change, and what that means for them as Christ is trying to send them out. When we look at the world in which we're in right now, there's a lot of change that is going on. But not all this change necessarily is bad. We've noticed and probably seen on social media by this point, all the different places where animals from all over the world are suddenly re-inhabiting cities and you're having between birds to goats to whatever walking down streets of these semi-abandoned cities as they seem to be taking over. We have probably have all heard by this point how Yosemite, they've talked about how this is going to be very interesting moving forward because the amount of bears within Yosemite has quadrupled, which is a national park in California. So what is that going to do for when we reintroduce people and how bears have gotten confident and how rangers have talked about when there's people here, they have to kind of pick how do they move from part to part where now They walk down the middle of the roads because there's no one there. There's a one that I will show. I typically wouldn't use CNN as a source, but it's really, really cool. It has this section of satellite images from the European Space Agency showing Venice a year apart, essentially, and what the water looked like in 2019 and what it looks like today. And if you haven't seen the pictures of the canals right now, it's worth looking up. The canals right now are crystal clear to the point where they're seeing fish in the canal. What's the difference? With not having the gondolas on the canals, they aren't stirring up the natural sediment at the bottom of the canals. And so thus, when that all settles out, the water is much clearer, it's cleaner 
you have where the amount of air pollution and multiple studies and around different cities, they have noticed huge changes. And the amount of CO2 that we're producing over the last few weeks has drastically, drastically changed because of people staying home, because of all of this going on. And it's changing how loud places are. We are hearing things differently. We're not creating as much movement. There is a lot of change that has happened over the last month, month and a half, but nature continues on. And that's one of the conclusions that I have kind of gotten out of this. If you think about the disciples, at that moment, there was a lot of change going on. And so suddenly having Jesus appear would have been hard to grapple with. And him just saying, I have called you to send you out, receive the Holy Spirit and go out. That would be hard, I feel. And yet we're having these reminders of change isn't necessarily bad. It's hard, but it isn't necessarily all bad. We're having where we're seeing nature naturally take the course of, yep, things are changing, but we're going to continue to move like we always do. And if you're not going to utilize this spot or utilize this, yep, things will look differently and that's okay. We think about a butterfly and the transformation and we acknowledge how beautiful it is, but we don't think about how weird would it be to watch your whole body dissolve for the most part for you to reemerge as something totally different. But yet in Christ, that's what we are. We are a new creation because of what Christ has done for us. Here in this example is Jesus showing the disciples what that new creation is in his life as he is going through this process of ascension that will happen. And that's going to be a major change. Even though he talked about that he was only with them for a little bit longer, they had a hard time understanding and grappling with it. We have all gone through major changes in our own lives. And we understand and accept them to some extent, even if they're hard. But yet, when we are at times pushed into these places of growth, it's difficult in the time to realize the growth that we are trying to go through. I think with this text and with the way the world is, it's understanding that we're not alone in change. We've seen change around the globe and seen the amount of smog being lifted off cities, seeing air pollution change, and how the world continues to move, sometimes slowly, sometimes quickly. We see how nature responds to letting it nature, if you will have it that way, that it's going to continue doing what it's always done. The canals will, in Italy, in Venice will suddenly be cleaner. And even the simple steps of um, butterfly turning into something totally different. And as we've talked about in the distant past about monarchs, the amount of travel that they will do for that's what's in their genetic code. To think about the difference that they have gone through from crawling along the ground to flying through the air. And yet that's not that much different than what we are. To the point of when we were born that we crawled along the ground to the point where we're able to run a mile in 
quick amount of times to be able to fly and drive and go all over the world so quickly. And right now, maybe we're being held back. And maybe that's a little bit difficult. But also realizing that the change is what we're struggling with. And that's part of, at times, part of what our faith is. That things are going to change. Things are going to transform. So the Twitter question I have for you to ponder this week is how are you being transformed right now? I think there's a lot of things that are really cool about this time is that we are getting more time to self-reflect. And I think it's one of those good skills to do right now is how am I being transformed? It can be at a personal level. It could be at a professional level. It can be in any way you want to interpret it. How are you being transformed? I know for me personally, in the last six weeks, I suddenly have had to get back into video editing and video production for different things at church. And I can tell for me, it's opening up different creativity, getting me to think about things differently and seeing ways that I could try implementing this when things come back to implement some of that into how I perceive doing my job moving forward. And that's a transformation for me. It's a change. It's something different, but that's not necessarily bad. I think, and for my case, I think it will end up hopefully getting me to be able to reach people at a different level and help reach people that maybe I've struggled reaching before. I see this as what Thomas said was what everyone in the room, all the disciples were thinking. I'm struggling with this change, is what I hear. When Christ comes to him and assures him that it is him, it's Jesus saying, I am transformed like you have been transformed because of this. Realize that that transformation is continual and that I'm still with you in this. Brothers and sisters, we are continuing to be transformed. And as our world is going through crazy transformation, as we're sitting in the chrysalis, watching things dissolve around us, realize that the Holy Spirit that we have been given, that is mentioned in this text from John, is still there. It's part of the essential part. And as we emerge from this at some point, being different. Realize that the Spirit of God is still there with us, helping us through as we are being called and sent into wherever he is steering us to go. So, we'll wrap this up as we always do. I pray God blesses you through your faith and amazes you through science. <laughs>